Oh, I'm excited to tackle the Elon Musk stuff with you guys. I want to hear what yeah. your takes are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've got, right. I've got a, quite a controversial take. <laughs> ooh, ooh, I like it. I like it. <laughs> Q, throwing the heat, throwing the hammer down early in the morning. I oh, like it. Best way to start the day. <laughs> right, let's kick it off. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Web3 Show. As always, I've got my crypto entourage with me, uh, Galactic Q, the Baron of Red Pills, and your guy in TradFi, the, the, the ghost of Wall Street. And I'm Luca, the front man of the show, and it's good to have you all back with us. Um, we've got a really big and exciting episode for you today. We'll be covering uh, Elon's investment into Twitter, as well as all of the highlights and all of the bullishness coming from Bitcoin Miami uh, 2022. So I, I'm really excited. And we've also changed it up a bit. We The boys uh, have decided to um, record in the morning because we feel we can produce a better episode and give you better content uh, doing doing it this way around instead of doing it at the end of our day. So while it might be an, an odd time for you, we hope you can uh, you know, you can't maybe join us live, but we hope that this will still produce a better episode for you at the end of the day. So, right, boys, the first, que first question I want to ask before we get stuck into it, um, what was on the shopping list uh, over the past week's dump? Sorry, I realized my mic was on mute. <laughs> yeah, you guys are both on mute, just leaving me hanging. Uh, I've, I've got yeah. nothing, to be honest. Why? Lucas, Lucas invested, he's invested heavily into the Fiat scam, bro. <laughs> no, I think uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm an overweight person. What did he did he did he uh, did he put in a, another order yeah, for scam. Vanguard's S and P S and P five hundred uh, index tracker? <laughs> you guys are throwing the Q started it. Well, Luca, Luca, quickly, why, why are you overweight in cash? Interesting perspective. Do you think there's more pain to come? Well, I think we're only just starting now. Um, and I'm, you know, I was sitting at a really good profit level over the past couple of months in my portfolio. Um, and I don't see any reason to, I guess, in particular, ride altcoins all the way down. Um and, you know, I definitely still hold Bitcoin and ETH, um, but I, I have de-risked significantly, I would say, over the last six months. Uh, yeah. I mean, two two words come to mind is, uh, well, three words, uh, is the intelligent investor. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> take note. I mean, that's some, that's, that's some serious no, discipline. I, and Look, look, I think, I think yeah, I, I think, you know, there's, there really is just merit taking chips off the table you know we've been in this market for you know, two plus years or something at least i have um and my portfolio has <laughs> the volatility has been crazy and i think yeah i, th I think the well, that stuck with me well luca that's years. why uh, yeah. you know I, I made a joke out of it but but it's actually you know a really a really good thing i mean it's it's more compliment than anything um but you know I, I'm, I say that because I think when people, when the market dumps, people just, uh, you know, become rabid, like rabid animals, and they are they are uh, incensed with trying to buy the dip and get everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe Q maybe pro probably has a bit has a different perspective. Uh, was Cardano on your shopping list, Q, this past week? Yeah, actually, um, I ate Cardano on the bull flag at a dollar twenty, so I'm a bit down at the moment. I'm joking. <laughs> But, I expect uh, better of you. I actually, <laughs> I actually echo what Luke is saying. I'm about 60% cash with myself at the moment. Um, I actually set a bunch of stop losses. The moment we saw, remember two episodes ago, we were talking about, you know, an oversold indication across the board for most indicators. We we're nearing the 200-day moving average at 48K. There was a lot of kind of resistance up ahead, and I started de-risking myself completely at 46 so I liquidated a bunch of my portfolio at that point. Um, and when we got the initial rejection at that 48K uh, last week, we obviously saw the downside action, which a lot of us were expecting. 
um, because we we're very oversold in the market and we saw retail investment start to spike again. And usually when retail investment spikes, it indicates the end of a short-term move. So yeah, we obviously had the pullback. I was looking at 44.5 to 42.5 being the bounce zone. Um, but, you know, fear in the market has obviously crept in around uncertainty of the CPI inflation rates uh, that will be announced later today, I think at 2.30 p.m. our time. So there's been a little bit of extra, you know, fud in the market. We also know that Duquan's buying has come <laughs> with less weight. And I think we also touched on this a couple of episodes ago is how sustainable is Duquan buying the resistances. And ultimately, I think there's only like $600 million in the reserve. There was a ton of FUD, uh, of which most debunked that came out over the weekend about Terra Luna. And I think a lot of that has led to some uncertainty in the market as well, because that was driving massive buy pressure for BTC. Um, so at the moment, I actually echo Luca. I think it's risk of sentiment uh, right now until we see a bit more direction after the inflation number announcement later today. But that being said, I do think that there is short-term relief. I'm still bullish on the month ahead. I do see us closing out the month, or at least at some point at, towards the second half of this month, cracking that 52 to 55K zone for Bitcoin. Um, and at that point, I'll be looking to de-risk myself. So right now, I'm majority cash. Uh, my trading account is 0% allocated, um, but I'll be looking to accumulate various top players that have recently broken down trends and trend strength like Solana and those projects um, on this dip once we get clear market direction after tonight's inflation announcement um, and NASDAQ open. So basically, I'm short-term uncertain, so I'm remaining risk-off. Um, but when it comes to the month ahead, I'm short-term bullish in a sense. But I'll reevaluate my entries and how I allocate uh, tomorrow morning once you've seen a 12-hour a reaction to the newsletter. Well, look, I mean, that's two tempered takes about how, uh, you know, the market is. And I mean, Q, I know you, you've basically done half or 60% of your market update in within that. Um, but you got you were sharing with us even this morning in our group chat uh, just about some crazy news coming out of China, which I probably people aren't paying much attention to given um, – given everything happening in Ukraine and uh, everything else happening in the world, you know, the news even we're covering with Elon is taking up much of the headlines. Uh, so maybe touch on that and just maybe the broader macro perspective you're seeing currently you also made some interesting an interesting takeaway you had from the recent All In pod. Um, and uh, yeah, just to round out your market update for the week. Yeah, well, just firstly, a testament to Western media. I think Will Smith slapping Chris Rock has been the trending topic above the Ukraine war for the last Oh, you can't, you can't be more <laughs> correct about that. <laughs> so it's actually scary how people value content, um, especially when it's content that impacts their financial lives over content that has menial social, you know, doing. So it's, it's a bit scary to think, but it's understandable that most would miss a lot of major news events because Western media does kind of warp things. <laughs> but yeah, interestingly enough, um, what a lot of people aren't talking about at the moment um, is the lockdown currently going on in China. And while I haven't deep dived into this significantly, I've had a brief read of a couple of articles about it and listened into a couple of podcasts around the, around the issues at hand. And basically they've gone into hard lockdown because of a new COVID spike. And, you know, as we know in sort of Western culture, the moment Russia invaded the Ukraine, COVID-19 disappeared from Western media. It's actually still ongoing and still pressing. Um, and China's gone into a hard restricted lockdown where there's actually been a lot of, you know, citizen oppression there as in, People can't even go to the shops to buy essential goods, which has obviously led to a lot of looting and rioting from what we've seen on social media. Um, that being said, a lot of this hasn't been verified besides the fact that they actually are in super hard lockdown. You know, a lot of videos that you see on social media can be faked at hand, but the global problem at hand here is that the major ports, while they remain open because people can't go to work, there's a backlog in offloading and unloading uh, cargo off the ships and onto the ships and also into the trucking system. So there's been a huge backlog in global imports and exports and a plummet in production, as we know that China is one of the leading manufacturers in the world. So it's been it's quite an interesting development. And obviously, it puts a lot more pressure on 
you know, the current global economic status. And while I'm not a macroeconomist, it's pretty evident to see. And I think, you know, Chamath rounded it out beautifully in the All In podcast where, you know, he spoke about the, the fact that there's a war going on. There's these heavy lockdowns in China. There's, you know, this massive inflation rise coming. There's talks of 50 basis point interest rate hikes where, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, 25 basis points was unheard of. And now suddenly everyone's okay with 50 basis points. And it's kind of this whole, as he said, cat and mouse game with the Fed and investors. And the scariest thing, which, you know, Chamath also outlined is that, you know, if I just pull up the US 30, you know, we're, we're technically only, let me just get the exact percent for you guys. We're only 7% down from highs. You know, with all of this bearishness. And Q, the, sorry, the US, the US 30 being? So the US 30 is just an index of the top companies uh, globally. So it's oh, right. tracking the index of the market. Yeah. So we could do the same thing with the NASDAQ, you know. Um, NASDAQ currently as well from previous highs. Or S&P, S&P 500 usually the, the, the go-to indicator, right? Yeah. NASDAQ only down 14%. Uh, S&P you know, down 7% as well from highs. And there's, you know, these massive wars, there's this massive war going on. There's a huge, um, you know, negative pressure on global supply chain industries, on manufacturing industries. And the economy is taking a huge beating. But the biggest issue that was raised is that people have nothing to buy at the moment. So there's, there's this continuous, like, how, how could I say it? It's, it's almost like a continuous false inflation of the market which is giving good data to the Fed to say, cool, we can do these things. When in actual fact, a 50 basis point interest rate hike coming next month, which will be a huge risk of um, mentality to take in the weeks leading up to that, it's scary, guys, what's actually going on. So, I mean, you know, while I said right now for Bitcoin, I'm bullish this month, the crypto market as a whole, you know, altcoins on the recent pullback still managed to put in higher lows and higher highs. You know, Bitcoin showing a little bit more weakness than most, but it's still in its trend, still maintaining macro support. Um, Ethereum's looking incredibly bullish, especially considering the merge coming out. People have been accumulating heavily. You know, exchange um, inflows are at an all-time high. Uh, exchange new users are at an all-time high. There are a lot of bullish macro weekly and monthly indicators uh, flipping to bull signals. So, I mean, I think we're kind of in a phase where we're going to get that kind of risk on relief for a couple of weeks after the inflation numbers tonight, which the market is pricing in at about 8.4 to 8.5%. But I think if it's more than that, say 9% or even double digits, which I don't know if double digits is likely, but if it is, we'll see a lot more volatility. But otherwise, that's going to be the buy the dip opportunity. And it will be a very short term opportunity to buy because you're probably going to buy hold for two weeks, and then start offloading aggressively, leading up to the risk of sentiment that will come when we see the 50 basis point interest rate hike mid-May. Right. I mean, that's a very, very comprehensive uh, market update and also, I guess, underlines why you guys have taken the stance you have going more risk off currently. Potential more, you know, a lot more uncertainty to come, potential recessions in, in the works uh, from the sounds of it. But yeah, who, know, who knows what will come. Uh, one thing's for sure is there will be another market update next week from Q, the Baron of Red Pills. Right, let's get stuck into the main topic. Well, I would say both these topics are pretty huge that we're chatting about. Um, so the first one we have to, you know, we have to talk about, we did chat about it at the end of last week's episode, just a, just a bit of a hot take right at the end, um, is basically Elon Musk investing $3 billion into Twitter, accumulating a 9.2% stake uh, faster than, faster than Q can get his hands on Cardano. Um, (laughs) (laughs) He's, yeah, so he's become the, the largest because I thought it was the largest individual shareholder. I actually realized he is the largest shareholder in the company now. And I mean, that's just typical Elon because he doesn't, you know, I mean, look at Tesla and SpaceX, his ownership structures. He, he generally keeps a large, a large proportion of the equity in his hands, which is unsurprising. Um, so, I mean, basically the, the timeline to break it down for people who, who, who may have been following loosely or, or just want, want clarity on it. 
uh, before we jump in. Um, so on the 14th of March, Musk makes the stock purchases according to the filings. And then after that, he had a series of pollings on Twitter asking people about, you know, whether Twitter adheres to free speech. Um, you know, he asked on the 26th of March, is a new platform needed? And I mean, at this time, I, I was I was wanting to bring up with you guys whether, you know, we thought that potentially Elon was going to bring out his own social media, uh, you know, start his own social media company, which a lot of people were actually calling for. Um, and then finally, on the 4th of April, his stock purchase was actually disclosed um, uh, and uh, it was released to the SEC through an SEC filing. Uh, so Twitter shares currently up 27% uh, plus trading over $50 per share, which is unheard of in the past. I, I think it's all time high, I, I believe. Um, but, you know, Elon's investment has been covered pretty well uh, from a sort of traditional finance world perspective. So obviously we want to get, uh, first of all, the, the, the reactions from the wizards, but also I guess we're going to look at it more in a crypto lens because we also had uh, potentially Elon teasing that Twitter blue subscriptions um, could be paid in Dogecoin uh, going back to his former love. So, John, I know you. Uh, you said you had quite a controversial take. Very, very excited to hear what you have to say on this first, and uh, then we can uh, dive into things properly. Awesome. Yeah. Well, firstly, never bet against Elon and Doge. I mean, when the news came out, Doge pumped. I think it was a twenty-five percent move before it reset itself. But still, it was. I think I was on a on a, a Zoom call with a couple of guys uh, that I interact with on Discord. And, you know, the one guy literally opened the trade. And on that call, we watched that chart boom and he made so much money trading that Doge breakout since the, the Elon news. So I think people are feeling very optimistic about Elon ultimately integrating Dogecoin. But, you know, funny enough, um, you know, there was that recent announcement now that he's no longer joining the board. Um, and I, I think I have a controversial statement. I might be completely incorrect, but I'm going to say it anyways. I think it's a power play. So if he had joined the board, you know, I read a few in a few places that there was that limiting factor of the fact that he can only ever own 14% or 14.6% or something of Twitter. Whereas if he doesn't join the board, he can ultimately buy Twitter. So I think it's going to be a point where he wants to, you know, adapt Twitter to be I mean, we're never going to know a man's true intentions, but I would like to say a more inclusive and freedom of speech kind of place or basis where people can express how they feel truly and not be deplatformed in a sense. Um, and, you know, the only way to do this is by being free of the restriction of being a part of the board and ultimately becoming the biggest shareholder and holding weights and voting power. And then, you know, if, if it's not adapted to the way he sees it fit, he can just buy Twitter, you know, being the richest man in the world, having the reserves and the, and the status that he's got, he can very easily do it and ultimately replace the board. So I, I think it's a power play, to be honest. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, please. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's interesting that you thought, because I, I, I thought, obviously, when I saw that announcement, I was like, well, you know, he's not taking a board seat. Therefore, that means he's going to be a sort of a non-executive role or, or more of a passive role. Uh, a passive investor, how can he then affect change, you know, besides his maybe his, you know, on Twitter, you know, sending out more polls and putting pressure on the board indirectly, um, you know, instead of, you know, having a 10% stake, why not just be on the board and, and then you can actually, you know, have a voice, have an active board seat. Um, but I mean, look, I, th I think it, it's a, co it's controversial. It's a controversial take, but I, I don't think it's, unrealistic uh if you look at if you look at his companies tesla and, and spacex i mean he I, I don't have the correct numbers but i'm pretty sure he has pretty big shareholdings in both and he is the ceo and he obviously what what he says goes right so you, you can't i don't think you can write something like that off um but i mean luca to jump to you uh maybe you can just comment on everything you're seeing around elon and maybe uh, i don't know if you have any perspectives on how you know opening Twitter up more to free speech and maybe integrating Dogecoin? 
how does that impact crypto Twitter? Is it good or bad? Um, does you know potential integration with Dogecoin undermine what Jack Dorsey did with integrating the Lightning Network into you know with Bitcoin tips and everything? What's your what's your perspective on all of this? Well, I think the Twitter blue thing is interesting. Um, I, I hope that Elon finds a way, basically, to eliminate the bot issue we have in crypto Twitter. Um, it's a, <laughs> it's a, it's 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 a humble wish, <laughs> but it's uh, I, I think it has kind of quite an impact, right? I mean, it's you know, I I I think crypto Twitter to a large extent is broken. Um, I, I think that you know maybe through KYC etc. Um, you could have kind of a um, a channel, um, and and you could maybe kind of uh, block out uh, accounts that are not verified, for example. And you've just got a kind of a separate feed. I I, I find Twitter quite exhausting. I, I think you know maybe even beyond crypto Twitter, I think Twitter broadly need, really needs to be revamped. You know, I mean, if, if when you guys are scrolling, how much information is really directly relevant to you? How much are you really interested in? Um, so I hope from a design perspective, he comes at it and fixes some of the issues with the platform. I mean, the free speech element, you know, Luca, you said it, right? He he is an advocate for free speech. He he can't be put into a box. He can't be bullied. Um, these polls put pressure on the board. They're very public. Um, the media <laughs> loves the sensationalism, right, of this kind of crazy entrepreneur just um, going direct to public. You know, it's not through any media organizations. It's it's literally direct to public using the actual platform he is a co-owner of. Um, so I think it's a very interesting development. But I hope basically that his emphasis is on the design perspective and that, that they fix some of the flaws. I mean that's yeah that's a, a great take. Um, I mean, look, a question probably remains is if he was if he was going to eliminate bots and uh, you know maybe I don't know how far that extends to you know maybe disallowing pseudonymous uh, users or maybe at the risk of being a bot or could you have misidentification as bots? I think looking at that way, crypto Twitter could potentially be up in arms because you have users like, um, you know, Punk uh, 6259 or 6459, I can't remember the, the number, but I mean, he's like a huge, you know, an actual public figure, but just built around the, the punk. And I mean, what what does that mean? Yeah, I think I think though you could have two layers, right? You could have the outer layer and an inner KYC layer. All, all I mean is that basically, even if you just link a credit card, you know, like like you, you can't commission an unlimited amount of credit cards, right? Like obviously, you know, the, the crypto Twitter is going to be wishing for Dogecoin payments for Twitter Blue. But if Twitter Blue is open to the public and they enable, well, well they require a credit card effectively, that, that's already going to, I mean, you could be a completely uh, pseudonymous account. Uh, no one on Twitter sees your credit card details, right? But it basically separates you from the bot masses. Sure. And I mean, there was also, there was, I also read something about potentially having a, not like a ver like a verified, uh, you know, the current verified tick next to, you know, public figures names, but more so a lighter blue tick showing that you're actually a genuine user you've actually been confirmed as you know there is a human behind it and it's not a bot so i i think that's a great design element and i think that would actually be really welcome in twitter it's just finding the balance between all the parties Look, I, think, I guess i i think again the whole idea is just to have the option right like you know maybe you know just like you can kind of turn on notifications for certain accounts you could say you know what actually on my feed i'm only interested in seeing uh um, comments or tweets from accounts which are Twitter blue. That's and a great. You just, you just yeah. have a. You literally just filter, and immediately, uh, bots will be wiped out from your feed. Is my opinion, right? I mean, it surely, I, I guess I don't know the technical details, but I mean, surely it's impossible to just you know whip up like a hundred thousand credit cards uh, to spam Twitter. Like it just seems like uh, you've got a, sca a scaling issue there uh, with Look your scamming operation. 
I mean, that's that's a great great take, Elon. If you're listening, uh, there's there's your <laughs> there's your design input from your guy in TradFi. Um, last question before we move on, because I really want to dive into Bitcoin Miami. Miami. Um, does to both of you, I don't know who who wants to take this, but does can Dogecoin and Bitcoin Lightning coexist on the platform? Does it not make Twitter? Will it not make Twitter a bit weird um, having both? Uh, what do you guys think about it? Or does well, one have to go you know, for the other one to stay? No, I think there can be a level of coexistence. But at the end of the day, Dogecoin's a joke. You know, as much as like Elon promotes it, it's, it's meme culture. And I think overall it sheds, you know, I'm never, I've never been a fan of meme coins. I also, always thought they bring more harm than good to, to an ecosystem. And, you know, Bitcoin is established. It's being regulated. It's, you know, it's becoming, you know, recognized investable asset. Why go put a piece of toilet paper next to it? You know, like Dogecoin's got great meme culture. It's funny. It's cool. Like people can have fun with it, whatever. But at the end of the day, it's a joke. So integrating into a platform might be cool for the crypto community. You know, people are like, ah, Dogecoin. But to the greater population, what is that? What message does that actually send to people about crypto? Luca, we're 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 losing you a bit. We we've lost you, bro. I can't hear anything you're saying. Uh, It's very bad. It's coming. It's coming. Coming back. Okay. Let's just give your no, no. There was too much. There was too much fire coming through (laughs) what you were saying. It just 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 distorted everything. No, no. What I was trying to what I was was trying to build up what Quinette was saying. I I I just think like. you know, this whole Doge thing on, on Twitter and stuff, it's kind of like those influencers at Bitcoin Miami tearing up dollar bills in front of the camera. Like, oh, it's, it's that was fun. The analogy. That is it's, the analogy right there. It, it's fun. Everyone's like, ah, woo. But it's like, it's it's not good for crypto overall, I think. I mean, didn't, didn't uh, what's his name, uh, Peter Thiel do that? I mean, he didn't. He didn't tear up dollar bills. He he threw. He like he threw he took out cash crowd, and he yeah. threw them out into the crowd, which is there, like sort of the same thing. There were two guys. It's that. Cra- it's that crazy Bitcoin evangelist. Uh, yes, Pisa, the guy. Who and was Pisa, uh, yeah. and yes, Lorenzo. Yes. They were literally tearing up dollar bills in front of the camera, and and I can't help but think of that when when we talk about like Dogecoin becoming accepted payment on Twitter. Like it's a yeah, complete look, joke. Exactly. That's it, not it, uh, because kind of surprising. The, because of the actual tokenomics of this thing, right? I mean, <laughs> like, it's just not sound money, like, in, you know, in any you know, way, shape, or form. The biggest problem with meme coins for me is I went to dinner with a bunch of guys about four weeks ago. And one of the guys, none of these oaks are crypto. They're all kind of marketing and, you know, e-commerce and things like that. And one of the one of the guys bought one of the, I think it was baby Elon or one of the meme coins because he got an inside scoop about it. And he puts, I think it was two or $3,000 in there. I mean, that's even he worse than up, Dogecoin, but anyway. Exactly. But it's the meme coin culture. And basically that grew to half a million dollars over the space of a month. And he didn't sell it. <laughs> oh, he didn't sell. And then it crashed all the way down to, you know, eventually liquidated about $200,000, which is still a ridiculous return on a $3,000 investment into a meme coin. But now what happens to all those people who bought baby Elon when his valuation was 500,000, they got wrecked, absolutely wrecked. And you know, when, when there's such a vast majority of the population who don't understand crypto, who don't understand the investable nature of the tech, what we're doing here, why we're building here, what we're buying into, and they see things like this, you know, for example, Kyle Chassis, you know, shilling that itchy coin and then it plummets like that 90% over a day. Oh my like, God. You've got these people, you know, I, I haven't looked into itchy, but I assume it's a meme coin as well, or at least a shit coin. And basically that kind of nature chases people away from adopting the true investable asset that we're using. You know, it scares people off because they see meme coin, Dogecoin, Bitcoin, it's all the same thing. It's a cryptocurrency. But they don't understand the different tech, the different tokenomic structures, what the products are, what people are doing with them. They just see what these silly influencers are sharing on social media. 
And then you've got guys tearing up dollar bills because they've made so much money in Bitcoin. And now you've got all these retail that want to now catch up. And they end up just aping into the wrong stuff. And I think integrating meme coins is incredibly irresponsible yeah. to the user base of Twitter. And also, I mean, you've got the people that are interested in crypto, right? But then you've got the broad swaths of the population that haven't really uh, taken a proper look yet. And all they're seeing is, you know, Bitcoin, Miami, people tearing dollar bills at a quite a precarious economic time. <laughs> so I think uh, yeah. yeah, it was really in bad taste, some of the stuff that I've uh, seen. Yeah, look, and it's it's coming from a place of like, if you're in the Bitcoin community, you know where it's coming from. You you understand, you know why you you have that worldview that the fiat system is broken. But like you say, if you if you're someone who's uneducated, you don't have that perspective. And uh, I mean, you guys already were touching a bit on Bitcoin Miami, um, so it's a it's sort of a great segue with, um, you know the the conference going on i mean so much innovation so many amazing announcements coming which we're going to touch on now uh but obviously it had that undertone of you know it, it is that it is a hard scene to break into i guess if you are almost uninitiated especially if you if if you need a more tempered like entrance into crypto you know what i mean like I imagine peter Thiel's speech was the first place you, was the first uh, speech you went to see and you had you were a complete crypto new but you just thought let me go to the conference you thought well why is he why is he dunking on warren buffett uh jamie diamond larry fink and throwing dollar bills into the crowd these guys are my heroes these are the guys i sort of have learned about investing from and, and stuff so i mean I, ge I guess it's a it's the baptism baptism of fire um but yeah, boys, I don't know, like b before, I, I don't know if you guys uh, were looking at the stats around Bitcoin Miami. Before we actually jump in, I wanted to mention, like, and this just underlines how massive Bitcoin and crypto and how relevant it's actually becoming. Um, even though we, we, sh we would all agree it hasn't fully broken mainstream, but just a few stats about the actual conference. So this year in 2022, there were about 40,000 people attending the conference. If you rewind just 10 years ago, right, 2012, there was a Bitcoin conference in London, or I don't even know if it was the official Bitcoin conference because you couldn't even call it a conference at that point, but there were just 300 people. 300 people versus 10 years later, 40,000 people. And look at all the media coverage there is now. I mean, you've got Bloomberg reporting about it. You've got all the mainstream media Whereas back in the day, I actually went back to look who spoke at Bitcoin 2012. The only person I recognized was Max Kaiser, the, you know, the extremist you guys were just talking about. I mean, you know, he, he's been in Bitcoin for ages. And there were just like a couple of Bitcoin devs because those are the only people who were in, who were in it. And maybe a couple of Bitcoin miners. Um, but it's just crazy to see. And, and then this year, I mean, you, you had... You had obviously the the standards. You had, you know you had Michael Saylor, you had Kathy Wood, uh, you had Peter Thiel, who are all who all have all been public about their Bitcoin advocacy. What was a surprise to me? You saw um, physicist Eric Weinstein, you saw Jordan Peterson, you saw Serena Williams, the tennis player, Odell Beckham, football player, like serious public figures coming to this conference, and, I, and that actually blew me away. I was like, wow. You know, there's some serious weight in terms of influence, capital. I mean, think about how much money these sportsmen make, sportsmen and women make every single week. I mean, I know, you know, Premier League football players in, in England make north of 200, 300,000 pounds a week. And like the, these, this is bringing serious social influence, serious capital into Bitcoin and crypto, I think. So it's quite a, quite amazing to see, but I think the main thing we're going to talk about now, that's just a primer on how big the conference was. We have to talk about Jack Mallers and uh, his announcement. We'll touch on the, the bullish corner, but later a couple of other announcements, but to get uh, reactions from you guys, uh, for people who don't know, Jack Mallers, founder and CEO of Stripe, uh, Strike, sorry, not Stripe. Um, he gave, uh, an actu actually a mind-blowing presentation. He was giving off such Steve Jobs uh, energy uh, with the way he announced this, basically highlighting the lack of innovation in payment technologies over the last 60 years. He had he then announced that his business, Strike, which is a, 
uh, mobile payments app similar to Cash App, which uses only uh, the Bitcoin Lightning Network uh, to you know completely take away all um, costs of transacting. He partnered with Shopify, Blackhawk, which is one of the biggest payment companies in in the U.S., and NCR, which is basically the biggest point of sale uh, provider in the world to power transactions across the Bitcoin payment rails. So, Q, let's start with you. What was your initial reaction to this? Um, how big is this actually? I know you, you, we were all you you were going uh, nuts at us in the in the WhatsApp group last week when you were watching the announcement live. Um, I only actually got around to watching the full the full his full speech yesterday, and I was completely blown away. What's your take? Well, well, I think um, you know the, the the funny thing for me was everyone was expecting an Apple integration announcement from Jack Mellors. You know, there was kind of this like expectation, all the influencers were saying Apple announcement in X days, Apple announcement, you know, and a lot of influencers actually live streamed Jack Mallers presentation was, you know, Apple announcement coming Jack Mallers talk. And everyone was going on and on about this. But what was so funny is his announcement actually just ended up being a massive fuck you to Apple. Excuse my language, but it did because basically he said all Apple did was keep the same outdated mechanism but just put the card in the phone and what they're doing now is revolutionizing the entire payment structure and you know i don't think that this is a bullish price catalyst for bitcoin in the short term i do think it's a very bullish catalyst for the adoption of bitcoin technology and ultimately crypto technology and i think it's going to be a huge on-ramp for the development of the ecosystem you know i i think you know, on, the, on the other hand, merchants can now, by using this, save that 3% expense that they would pay otherwise through the outdated mechanism. You know, so what business innovation is going to come from this? You know, are they going to create discounted benefits for shoppers to use the Lightning Network because they can now save on their fee structures? You know, there's, there's different tax benefits as well. Um, I haven't deep dived into it, but I, I read somewhere that there was a tax relief by using the system. Um, through some loopholes and things like that. So th there's a lot of bullish structure that could come out of this, especially for the merchants. And I think ultimately it's it's just going to be a massive driving force for crypto adoption, at least for the technology, especially in the short term. But over the next five to 10 years, be a huge growth catalyst for Bitcoin. And, you know, the amazing thing before we jump over to Luca, um, the amazing thing he actually touched on is he had touched on basically all of the main concerns I think a merchant would think about in the beginning is thinking, well, wait, if if I'm now using a payment rail that consists of Bitcoin, then I have to hold Bitcoin on my balance sheet. There's different reporting. Now I'm exposed to the volatility. Jack Mallers was so good about you know making it clear that it's just the payment network. There's clear on and off ramps that are that he didn't touch on, I think, because they just would have gotten too technical on the back end on both sides from the merchant and the per and the buyer or the customer where you can you can send off your fiat, you can send off euros, you can send off dollars, pounds, whatever you like, you can send off Bitcoin. It gets exchanged to Bitcoin on the payment rail, goes at the speed of light to the merchant at the merchant's point of sale or whatever integration it is, um, strikes integration on the on their back end, it then gets switched to fiat or whatever they want, right? So they can take possession of Bitcoin. They can take possession of euros, yen, um, whatever you like. And I think that was the most revolutionary thing. So, Luca, my question to you is, is this not what TB Dex, we, we chatted about that in a, in, in a couple of episodes. I think it was around episode 12, 13. Is this not what they set out to do with the on and off ramps from Fiat? I mean, he's literally, I think this is so big for, you know, when you look at TB Deck's white paper versus Jack Mallers showing a video of him literally using Bitcoin from his uh, lightning node sitting at home to purchase Coke at a, at a, like a off license store corner shop. It, um, <clears throat> it does make Bitcoin practical. Uh, it makes Lightning Network practical. Um, it's, I, I mean, I'm not sure um, I would agree with the comparison entirely. Um, I think I think this is taking Bitcoin technology and making it usable in the real world. Um, I, I, I mean, I think TB Dex was more, 
yeah, definitely tackling the on and off ramps, and I think to that extent, you know, what you say, what you say is is, is true. But I think um, the the, the TPDX was more angled towards, I think, just asset swaps for in many assets, basically with on and off ramps in a, in, a, in an internet economy. Um, not quite as practical as this. I think this is big. <laughs> this is like this is really big. You've got you've got instant settlement and zero fees. There is no reason why this technology will not take over global payments. You 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 can't compete with zero fees, right? Like it it, it is <laughs> it is quite literally incredible. I mean, so, Luca, when the when the merchant is literally getting all their money now, and they've instantly you know, historically for the past sixty years, they've been at the mercy of card companies, payment networks, you know, the three percent fee on every single person, and then they're getting their cash instantly. So like what you're saying, it's just to underline that. It's, well, I mean, it's unreal. The, yeah, there, wasn't there that delay of like one to two weeks that they would have to wait for the actual payout? Yeah, yeah it was 15 um, days. There's that, there's that, yeah, it's 15 days. And there's that huge issue that usually the payouts come after paycheck day, um, which puts a lot of merchants under a lot of pressure. So, I mean, this this is insane. I mean, this 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 highlights the beauty of what we're all here for. And I think it's, you know, we, we are at, you know, we've been saying it since episode one, we're at the forefront of adoption. And I think that yeah. adoption is, is, it's about to just kick. You know, I think, I think you said that all of these integrations uh, will go live over the coming months. So, you know, I think within two years after that, those integrations go live, we're going to see a vast majority of merchants integrated into Lightning Network. I think it's going to be a fast adoption of it all. What I find well, remember there. Shopify, Shopify is live already. I can go yeah. onto a merchant store yeah, already yeah. and use Bitcoin Lightning to purchase my merch on Shopify on the Shopify store. Are you dropping something merch, I find yeah. uh, <laughs> something I find quite interesting is you know obviously we've Web three show merch. You know, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, Luca. <laughs> Luca, sorry, for continue. Hoodies for what? The Web3 show, bro. The DeFi pirates. The, the, the degenerate wizards. No, the, the, the trippy toads. <laughs> yeah, trippy toads. Come on. Uh, no, no I, I was just going to say that, you know, it was ama- it's, what was particularly amazing, I think, to see was, just, you know, Michael Seller has been making the corporate strategy case for Bitcoin for many months now. Um, now we've got the small business case being made for Bitcoin. Um, what's next? I mean, yeah, that's that is the question, and and you know, it's funny at the at the end of this before we jump into the bullish corner, guys. Those were some great takes. First of all, I don't know if you guys agree with me. I was getting some serious Steve Jobs two thousand seven announcing the iPhone energy from Jack Mallers. Like, I was actually blown away. This guy, like, I think you know, it, to the audience, if you can watch, spare forty five minutes please watch the speech. It's actually unbelievable just the way he, like, he knows how big it is. Everyone else in the crowd knows how big it is. And like, I, I think it was, it was the same thing in 2007 when Steve Jobs announced the iPhone. Um, the, the second thing is, I think there would be probably some surprise that the, something like this is coming from Bitcoin or maybe not surprised because at the end of the, at the end of it, this is what Bitcoin set out to do, right? Back in 2009, and with with everything that Solana's done, with everything that Cardano's doing, well, trying to do, uh, with everything that ETH has done and is trying to do, it's Bitcoin that is potentially bringing the biggest, you know, innovation to payments. Um, so, boys, uh, I'm I'm obviously aware we are unfortunately running out of time. We could probably talk about this till the cows come home. Um, how unbelievable Jack Mallers is, and uh, yeah, I, I think everyone should go look at Strike and. Uh, just understand how how this all works but i think we we want to go over to the bullish corner um and discuss some other key takeaways from the conference what else did you guys uh see um that we want to give a quick mention about before we close down the show q yeah well firstly i just want to you know address the elephant in the room or at least the bull in the room um the controversial (laughs) take on social media is why doesn't the Bitcoin bull have bigger nut sacks than the Wall Street bull? <laughs> oh, yes, the the electronic one had no nuts, right? Yeah, no nuts, and everyone's complaining about it on Twitter. <laughs> I completely agree. 
I must say the 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 mechatronic bull is pretty pretty epic though. It's epic. <laughs> you know, but and you... it's funny actually thinking about like how many months ago did Michael Suarez, uh, Francis Francis Suarez, Francis Suarez, yeah, Francis Suarez like make the pivot towards Bitcoin, and now he was unveiling a huge, basically transformer mechatronic bull. <laughs> that was that was only a few months ago, right? When he when he really started kind of thinking more about Bitcoin. Well, I think all. it was one of those where 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 he came out, you know, being he became an instant Bitcoin bull. Like he, there was no skepticism. He did a sailor. He literally aped in, and he was like, "This is it." You know what I mean? So it's yeah. like super red cord, bro. It's it's great to see. <laughs> it's great to see. Um, boys, I mean, other noteworthy ones. I, I think I mentioned Teal uh, Peter Teal's speech, but. Some interesting points he actually, that actually came out. I don't know if you guys watched his full speech, but I actually found it fascinating. There's just some things I wanted to quote. Um, you know, obviously I mentioned him absolutely dunking on uh, Warren Buffett, Jamie Dimon, and Larry Fink. You, you know, J- Larry Fink. Grandpa. Yeah, they are the <laughs> sociopathic grandpa from Omaha. Um, look, and I mean, he he called Bitcoin rat poison and it's completely denounced cryptocurrencies. So you know. You get what you deserve, right? I think everyone is, you know, Buffett was like, for a lot of people in crypto, he was the the godfather of, you know, investing and teaching people about value investing. But I think a lot of people in crypto have just said he's just plain wrong about it, right? Um, Larry Fink, his, com- you know, uh, CEO of BlackRock manages something like two trillion dollars assets under manager something stupid i could be wrong with that number but i know it's in the trillions um saying pro blockchain is anti-bitcoin because you're saying oh no you know bitcoin's bitcoin made the move but you know we like blockchain we don't like bitcoin um some other quotes esg comparing esg uh, uh, as to the ccp uh, the chinese communist party um that was wild has any calling ESG a hate factory against Bitcoin? Um, another quote: "Work companies are quasi-controlled by governments in a way that Bitcoin never will be." Um, here's the here's the fascinating part as well: is he compared Bitcoin to equities, and he said there's no reason why the Bitcoin that Bitcoin shouldn't be valued at the same as uh, you know global equities. Currently, it's $115 trillion to $1 trillion. So that's a 100, 100 to 1 ratio. Um, I mean, even taking Bitcoin to gold, currently it's $1 trillion to $12 trillion. Um, you know, and comparing comparing Ethereum to Visa, where they're about the same market cap, $400 billion each around, around about. So he says, oh, Ethereum's, Ethereum's uh, fairly valued, Bitcoin clearly undervalued. Um, so yeah, I, fo- I found that. I don't know if you guys have any comments on... Uh, Peter Thiel's speech, but I found that super interesting. Um, I guess other noteworthy announcements were the Cash app offering paid in Bitcoin feature uh, and the Lightning receive I'm coming so, soon. I'm so bullish on that. Yeah, that likewise. Brilliant. Especially, especially offering the dollar roundup. Yes, so yes. Autom- yeah, I think that is absolutely brilliant. And it's so common in traditional savings accounts. I think integrating this is, it's just going to make the ease of adoption so much better. And you know, like John, it's so funny you say that. Like if I was, you know, if, if I was in the US or I had access to Cash App, which I'm pretty sure, you know, it's not outside of the US currently, or at least these features aren't, um, I would 100% take at least, you know, 20 to 30 to 40% in my salary in Bitcoin hands down, if I had the option to. And I mean, this is open to like, you know, 50 to 70 million Americans. It's, it's huge. Um, another one I wanted to touch on briefly uh, was, did you guys see that Trezor um, is introducing direct to self-custody Bitcoin buys? So they're a producer of those hardware wallets. And they're basically saying they're partnering with uh, another company that basically allows you to take to make a buy um, or sorry, they're partnering with Swan Bitcoin, which, which adds recurring straight to self custody Bitcoin purchases. And, you know, we always look at these on chain metrics of, you know, how much Bitcoin is sitting on exchanges versus what is a liquid supply. I mean, 
this literally takes away the the exchange metrics and literally just goes cool straight to straight to self custody straight to liquid supply supply shock all of that sort of stuff i think that's super bullish for people you know because you know all of the people who hodl bitcoin are going to use this um instead of what and why must you pay you know gas fees and trans or sorry uh transaction fees from exchanges and and purchase fees and all of that stuff just go straight to direct direct to self custody um yeah, that's that's brilliant. I just hope that Ledger adopts the same thing because they obviously have the biggest, they have the monopoly on the market. Trezor still quite yeah, agreed, right? They, they, yeah, 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 they're the biggest. Definitely hasn't hasn't got the market share that Ledger, but maybe this becomes a driving factor to splitting that market share. Yeah, agreed, agreed, agreed. I think, I think um, another, boys, like, before we close it out, anything else you want to mention on? Yeah, yeah, sorry, Q. Yeah, two, two bullish notes for me. Firstly, Robinhood integrating Lightning Network. I think that's pretty cool. Um, you know, you, you're giving access to the Lightning Network to a massive user base. So I was pretty bullish on that. And the other one was the new legal tender announcers. So uh, you got Honduras, Madeira, um, and obviously Mexico as well, which are the latest three regions to announce um, the intent to adopt Bitcoin as legal tender. Um, which I think is pretty epic. So, you know, we, we're moving towards the right level of adoption. Um, and while these regions are not the, you know, most um, influential ones, it's still a massive step in the right direction. Yeah, so I, th- I think it's safe to say it was a wildly, wildly successful week, uh, Bitcoin, Miami. Boys, we're going to have to plan a trip out there soon, I think. You know, did you see they're already selling tickets for 2023, Bitcoin, Mi- Bitcoin Miami? So... I don't know. I so think we're gonna have to, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to debate we're gonna have to have a debate on our group chat, potentially Web three show live pod from Bitcoin Miami twenty twenty three. How does that sound? Epic. Uh, <laughs> sounds good to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's another episode in the bag for the Web three show episode twenty two, flying towards episode twenty five. Um, for those for all our new subscribers, actually, we just hit one sixty on call in. Uh, thanks to all of you for joining in the journey and uh, you know as we wander around web 3 and uh, yeah we'll see everyone for episode 23 next week to the baron of red pills and your guy in tradfi the ghost of wall street boys thanks so much for the great episode Uh, we will see you all next week